I just want to say that we are friends first, band second. I swear on my bus pass. This is not a hate watch. I'm Alice, and this is Missy. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, Josie? Or are you one of the other pussycats? Who are we here? I don't know. Um, I I, I want to talk. We're going to talk about that. We we watched 2001's Josie and the Pussycats. Um, seminal cult classic. Um, very, very, very um, disrespected at on release. Not really well understood, ahead of its time, possibly. Um, we watched this um, because it was on your list, Missy. And you said you are fresh off your watch. So why don't we just get right into it? What did you think of Josie and the Pussycats? Uh, Josie and the Pussycats is a very interesting film. It, I like the swings that it takes. It's an interesting setup. Uh, I laughed at a lot of the jokes. I think yeah. all the supporting, every single supporting person in this is a hilarious person and are all firing on all cylinders. Yes. The only thing that I think it suffers from, for my taste, is I didn't really love the band's music. Oh. And I don't think the girls were given much to do. Like, most of the supporting people were given all the jokes. And they were given sure. some jokes. But I feel like the main... The main girls were underutilized because everything is happening to them and they're sort of all just having to react to it. But that being said, I think they had great chemistry together and I really like I totally bought them as a unit. I thought um, when uh, uh, when um, Josie when Josie gets record label pilled. And is running around being her bad self. I loved the the subtle transitions she did with that. Um, so well, I'm I want to her name. It's Let's, Rachel. Okay, oh, Rachel Lee Cook, um, patron saint of '90s teen movies. The, the 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 girl I wanted to be, I think the girl every girl wanted to be, Rachel Lee Cook. Also, if she's all that, which we're probably gonna end up watching for this show. Um, Rachel Lee Cook, the seminal '90s teen girl, um, playing Josie, the lead singer. Um, I want to talk, you, you, you mentioned you, you weren't super into the music. I really want, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I mean, we'll also have to tackle the fact that she's a seminal teenage girl that all of them want to be, and I've never seen anything that she's been in until now. Uh, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't love it. It wasn't my cup of tea. I don't have like, um, major critiques cause I don't. I don't want to spend a bunch of time just listing things I don't like about it. Sure, it sure, just sure. wasn't totally in my style. Um, I liked the joke when they basically like mega noised it because I just felt it was sort of noisy um, rock as is. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, the beats, the the riffs, the hooks. It, uh, the okay, one I, where it was, I, um, I got it, I did like one of them, the... I gotta get it on here. Where's so it? the, the main songs, there's there's um there's three small words, which is the which is the which is like the first song. There's um, oh, I didn't like spin that around. One. There is pretend to be nice, mm. which is the which is the one that is the single. Oh, so I that... yeah, and I liked pretend to be nice, except I thought the lyrics were awful, but the music was so good. Like that was the catchiest out of all the songs, and I'm like, oh, but why does this one stick out when it doesn't sound that much different than all the other ones that are being played. So I I'd, I'd have to go back and, and so, analyze so, that. So part funny of you it, should but... say that. I want to I want to talk about about the music a little bit. So 
Um, the music was all done um, by professional musicians. The The singing voice for Josie was actually Kay Hanley from the band Letters to Cleo. And so um, anytime anytime Josie was singing, it was Kay Hanley's voice, not, not Rachel Lee Cook. Um, and this soundtrack has become a classic. It, it, it basically inspired a generation of musicians who have who've cited it as being really, really highly influential. Um, I think this this movie, along with like around the same time as Avril Lavigne's first album, really, really was a moment in in like pop punk and, and rock music um, um, in terms of like women representation. And so um, the song Pretend to Be Nice was the one song that was written by the late, incredible Adam Schlesinger, who is also responsible for the song That Thing You Do from that movie. He was also responsible for um, the music in a number of other films. I believe Music and Lyrics is another one. And he was also responsible for one of the three people responsible for the music for the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, I think Adam Schlesinger is like arguably the best person who's ever written music for 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 tv and movies i think i think that thing you do especially is like the ultimate version of a song in a movie that both um it is like you believe it's a hit song when you hear it and it, and it and it's so catchy that you don't get sick of hearing it like 40 times in the movie and um i really and, and so like pretend to be nice being the one song that you latched on to kind of makes sense to me because i think adam has a really special quality to his songwriting that um is able to do that successfully and i and i noticed while i was watching this pretend to be nice is the song that they play the most because it is the hit single they play it like you know in the in the montages where the fans are going crazy and stuff and and so if you were going to pick one of the songs that you had to play over and over again the one that adam schlesinger wrote makes total sense to me yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, that part of it. And I don't think any of the music was, like, bad or awful. I'm not trying to slam it in that regard. It just is more so, like, yeah, not not my normal taste of stuff. But I appreciated it more, us having gone through garbage songs and me getting to know that. I think I was almost a little bit ruined because I've been listening to Garbage, which has some similar sounds and aesthetics, mainly, you know, strong female vocalists. And there were just times that the songs never quite got up to there. I also wasn't sure if the songs were trying to be ironic or not. There were times where mm. the needle drops felt ironic, like the one where it says, I don't have to go to shopping malls, I don't have to, like, buy all these things, but it's all being done when they are getting the best, like, mm. stylists yeah. in salons and people yeah, done the to them. So I'm like, is, yeah, so I'm like, is this a joke? Like, is this a joke? Because the song doesn't, yes. like... This, this, because the songs were done so sincerely, and they are pastiche and stylistically, yep. like, trying to sound like, um, kind of, again, the joke being the antithetical to what was the first group we see du jour, which was, like, oh, you yes. know, comedy, comedy people, cameos all around. Yes. And that being a boy band parody, which that song in the beginning with, I literally thought was opening with, like, a Backstreet Boy song. Until I kept listening right. and I was like, oh, no, no, no. They just made a Backstreet Boys sounding yes. song specifically yes. about, so about, that you About would, anal sex, yes. That was going to be my other <laughs> thing was that backdoor lover. I'm like, yeah, someone on here had yep. a sense of humor. Someone was writing yep. some yep. good stuff. I I didn't remember that Seth Green was in DuJour. That was a that was a surprise for me watching this. Or um, Brecken Meyer or Donald Faison. Yes. yes. Very surprised to see them. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so you you said that that um, you felt like the girls didn't get as much to do, and I definitely think that is true. I think the the broader characters really are um, are like um, the 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 Alan Cumming character and the Parker Posey character, and even the um, like the agent and the 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 person who's the, like the manager and her and her and his sister. Um, I will say I think that it was a really masterful use of. Tara Reed as Melody. I mean, I think it kind of so. So this is in a, in, a, in a couple ways. One is that it, it really played into the image she had as a result of being in a lot of movies similar to this. Um, your American Pie. Um, your what else was she in? She was in um. Uh, was Dan she Wilder not a cast member? Time, yeah. Was she Wait, not what? a cast member of Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero? I'm not. I, I actually wasn't sure what her no. claim to fame was. T- Tara Reid was most. It was mostly for um, teen movies in the in the late nineties and early two thousands. Um, American Pie being one of the big ones. She was in Cruel Intentions also, um, and then um, later she was notable for being in Shark the first Sharknado. Um, oh yes, that's right. But 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 she has she 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 was also in the Big Lebowski playing. She was Bunny Lebowski in the Big Lebowski. Um, she definitely kind of had this this very much like airhead dumb ditzy bimbo blonde persona like like in all of her movies and i really felt like this movie kind of skewered that in an in an in a fun way like it really felt more like it felt more empowering to me than if they were just making fun of her for being dumb um i i really enjoyed i really enjoyed her character also also the scene where um they she tries to get killed by or she almost gets killed by Carson Daly was fun because she Tara Reed and Carson Daly were dating around this time in real life. Oh interesting. I wondered why he yeah. popped into it. Um yeah. besides the fact that Universal produced it, so he was easy to get to to pull in there. Um Carson Daly from this era, cutie pie. Yeah. Um what did you think about all of the product placement? I thought it was very... There, there are logos all over this movie. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I thought it was funny. I got the joke. Um, I mean, after a while, I was more so looking to see where all... It was like the nuances, like little things like the McDonald's logo on the shower, uh, like the mm-hmm. glass shower, like instead of there being like a pattern that was on there. Um, the little parts like uh, Parker Posey's uh, dress that was made out of like just things of her record label. Uh, yeah. all the way down, which I thought was great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I got it, but I also, it was more so background jokes. You know, once you got the joke, mm-hmm. like, that was on there. Um, and it was really, I mean, it was very on the nose. Like, you obviously got the fact that everything was commercialized and and the fact that we would be rattling off. Um, well, we, I mean, we should talk about the main thrust of it, which is that they are using rock music, specifically the Pussycats music to insert subliminal messaging that is advertising from major corporations uh, that Mm -hmm. are trying to control teenage spending, which is also just what the music industry is. Like, that's just what they do. Sure. (laughs) On its its face, yeah. In this case, it was was also specifically – Trying to get people to 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 integrate ideas that they need, people needed to continually keep consuming. It wasn't just buy this thing. It was buy this thing. Like you know, orange is the new blue. All my blue clothes I got to throw out because I got to go buy orange clothes now. And replacing those ideas constantly. 
Yeah, it was it was the, an auditorial they live uh, that they were serving up for it on there. Uh, also, mm-hmm. another big movie comparison we can make to this, and we're gonna go ahead and talk about the apple in the room, uh, which is the fact that this has huge, huge similarities between our very first episode, the apple, and yeah. and Josie and the Pussycats. That I, being I... a a band that is uh, does local. And simpler music, which is then brought in by an evil corporation that is literally running the world and presented a record opportunity on a silver platter, which they accept and ends up being an imbalance of the relationship between the band. Uh, The only difference being this one doesn't end with a golden Cadillac that takes everyone to the sky. You know, some small differences. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I also had that thought while I was watching it. Wow, this is the Apple. Um... So I will admit that that is that is true. Um, I think that in terms of them, like, I think that because it is meant to be such a broad satire, um, it paints a broader brush than I think what the Apple was going for, where it felt like in the Apple, they were trying to send a message about, like, religion and or specific things, whereas here it just felt like, Capitalism bad, corporations bad. Um, the the evil is so like like their their ability to take over is so like exaggerated in Josie and the Pussycats. Like like they're gonna brainwash the entire the entire world through one concert. Um, with with the voice of Mister Movie Phone. Oh yes, Mister Movie Phone. Uh, uh, what a what a '90s throwback. Gosh, Do you remember I when we had really to call someone to hear movie showtimes? No, because I read it in my local newspaper. I didn't have to go to the Mr. Movie phone. Consume, okay. consume, um, consume. Let's talk about let's talk about some of the side characters. We gotta talk about Alan Cumming as as Wyatt Oh Ray. god, Alan Cumming is delectable in this. I love an evil Alan Cumming when he gets to ham it up, when he gets to just like camp it up. Uh absolutely yeah. loved him. Uh really enjoyed I mean just the like obvious sleaziness of him uh mm-hmm. was yeah just funny alan cummings is alan cummings is funny in everything that he's in i yes. i really enjoy uh, a alan cummings supporting character whenever he gets thrown yeah. or something uh was in one of the other weird childhood classic not a childhood classic but a film that i enjoyed it's some people classic spy kids where he played also mm. the villain within that uh mm. which was interesting I also I, yeah i'm not familiar with that one one of my first uh, crushes growing up, too, as well, I realized thinking back about this. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is from that era where I sort of would have been aware of who's this, like, person who's, like, a man, but more, slightly more feminine and flamboyant, yeah. like I am. I don't understand. I, I, I only, I encountered Alan coming much later in life um, when he was more like a, a, like a New York nightlife cabaret style celebrity. And and was known for th- and and I encountered him in like hearing about him in that regard. Um, and then I did. It, then at some point, it, it occurred to me that he also played Boris in Goldeneye, and I was like, "Oh, that's the same guy." Um, and so I didn't I didn't know who he was the first time I saw this movie when I was when I was um when when this movie came out and I saw it. I I really appreciated. I really enjoyed the performance this time, especially. I think he was he's having so much fun, and I think it's such a it's such a it's such a like wink to the camera, like every time he's on screen, basically. Um, I think he also played the videographer in the Spice World movie, which I think is very funny. If that if, if I'm remembering that right, that he's in two 
uh, for different yeah, reasons. Spice World, Seminoles, yes. yeah, like uh, group, movies about girl groups. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about. I want to talk about Parker Posey's character, Fiona, the the evil um, record label executive. Um, what did you think of? What did you think of that? What did you think of Fiona? If there's anyone I like more hamming it up as a villain than Alan Cummings, it is Parker Posey. I loved her character. I loved, she nailed every joke. Just um, the scene where she's with all of the other kind of collaborators and she turns around and she says, oh, that was a close one. And they're like, wait, what did you just say? I didn't say anything. We all can hear you. Uh, that scene was brilliant. She played it so well. Um, I did think it was funny at the very end when her whole plot was just she wanted to seem cool. Uh, right. And that that was all that her motivation was. Like, you know, the yeah. subliminal messaging aside I, was just a way for her to be able to fund a way to, to become cool. Yeah, I, I didn't love that it kind of felt a little ableist that they were, that her flaw, her evil flaw was that she had a lisp and she had a speech impediment and that and that everyone started laughing as soon as she would speak with it. I, that 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 felt a little not great, but... Well, yeah, like, that's yeah, the no, I, I didn't love it either. Yeah. Um, I I really related to Fiona in a way that I did not expect to. I think, um, one, she's always in an extremely over-the-top outfit, which is very true for me. I, I tend to wear really, like, like I re- I'm always the overdressed friend. And some of those dresses that Fiona was wearing, especially the one where she was wearing to the the party with with like the the stuff dangling off of it, I I, I just thought like, oh, this I, I had an early inclination. Oh no, I'm I am I am Fiona. And then when at the party she brings the three girls into her her girly room, I was like, dear God, it looks just like my bedroom. Holy shit. <laughs> And 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 then and then she wants to do girly things with them, but then she doesn't commit to it. Like immediately doesn't commit to it. Was like, I'm like fucking looking in a mirror. This is like this seems like a sort of thing I would do. And um, so that was kind of a that was kind of harrowing for me. Yeah, I found I did find it interesting that that should have been the clue early on that her motivation was all, uh, just being around the substantiating her own place within society, you know, which is yeah. one of the themes of the film, you know, not having to feel like you fit within society um, and all of that. Even though I felt like the girls were sort of dressed in what I would think of as 2000, 2000s fashion. So they were sort of the yes. ones actually that were dressed more normally than everyone else <laughs> in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they, I mean, they, they the the fashion in this movie I would say is very accurate for the time a lot of a lot of low rise jeans a lot of midriffs um a lot of platform sandals it it, it it definitely felt like a time capsule in that way although that is also kind of what's just popular now in fashion so like this this weird two thousands revival we're going through is very odd to me um and yeah, yeah, and yeah think... Fiona Fiona really stands out in comparison to that hundred percent I think that's also maybe what I struggled with too was. It felt like they were trying to make the girls cool by having them be uncool, but they still just looked cool, except for the cat ears. And so I was a little bit just mixed message on like, well, I don't really know. 
I don't know what I'm trying. I don't know in this world how I am mm. supposed to feel about the normal Josie and the Pussycats because we're really okay. accelerate them from local band to the most successful band literally right. in a week because of right. sinister misdoings. Less about the quality yes. of their own music. Right. I think. I think my take is that they were trying to show that these are average. Average, like, local suburban kids. And at the same time, it's a movie, especially in the 90s, where you can't have your protagonist be unattractive. So even if the even if the protagonist is meant to be ugly or or uncool, they still look cool and they're and they're still and they're still beautiful. But Mm -hmm. um, I think so. I think that it was meant to be that they're just. They're just average. They're just average kids. And because I think like even when they when they glam them up, they just put them in the same outfits, only they're made out of shiny and reflective fabric. Now it's basically yeah. like <laughs> And a little bit a little bit of a makeup glow up. Just some yeah, so it's a little bit uh better yeah. blend that they have. But yeah, they didn't yes. they didn't have that huge it's not like they went from like two thousands fashions to mm-hmm. the Apple style glam rock huge yes, yes, outfits yes. where it's like, no, no. Yes. Or like we're gonna make you look like the girl groups of the time where they're now like mm-hmm. a Britney and a Christina Aguilera and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Simpson. And these yeah. are the archetypes now that they are. So that was my struggle too, was just the music the satire of the music itself was part of where I just realized I, I that's that's not where the jokes are going to be. The jokes are just sort of the the stuff that's happening mm-hmm. in between. And again, mo- main, mainly with our side characters in this world. Yeah, and I think and I think the music was meant to be taken seriously and sincerely. Like like it, the idea is, even though they get plucked and they get they get they brainwash everyone into thinking it's a hit song. At the end of the sh- at the end of the movie, when they pl- actually just play the song without the without the without the mind control, people are into it because they're a good band. And so, like, it, I, I definitely think it was an aspect of like they were always meant to be a good band with like catchy music all the time. They just didn't have the audience. And and then at the end, they got the audience, and it kind of shows that everything everything works out. Um. So yeah, I I. I I we have picked this movie partially because um last week we watched um The Hobbit and there was all there were no women in that movie. There were no women in that movie. And so um again, while this isn't exactly the same, I do feel like this is a very this is a very girly movie in terms of both the characters and I think like um the Parker Posey character. Um I feel like it, it speaks much more to um like like the, the struggles of being like a teenage girl, like like she's juggling, she's juggling her boyfriend, she's juggling her 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 weird, you know, Josie's juggling her weird record career and stuff. Um, there's a there was a lot of themes of female friendship about Valerie feeling left out. Um, both 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 represent represented as her feeling left out of the band and also as the only black friend, which which isn't 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 super subtle. And Rosario Dawson has talked about how that was a big theme for her when they were making the movie was in the same way that I think Valerie's character keeps getting excluded from things that felt that felt real to her as a as a woman of color or as a black as a black woman. Um yeah, um, and so and so a lot of a lot of themes around I think I think around like feminine struggle and 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 women's friendship and stuff are really really strong in this movie. Yeah, I could definitely tell that there was, you know, one of the the existential themes within this is authenticity versus conformism, and mm-hmm. really about like how do you get through the messaging of 
everything being sold at you all the time, you know, the literal consume, consume, consume aspect of it versus finding things that you like and trying to identify with it. And, you know, I, I, I think the one other angle, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do a rewrite on this film. I think the one other angle would have been interesting with just having a little bit more exploring of the art of their music and how it'd be like, you know, you don't need a huge record label, you, you know, just playing at your local, you know, sure. you know, local bowling alley, you know, has as yeah. much I, uh, I, artistic merit as, as someone having a full-blown concert. But, you know, but the, again, that I know that wasn't the whole point of the film. I think that was just the right. only part for the band's story that maybe yeah. made me lacking that I just didn't, like, totally buy into it all. Sure. And I think, I think it is, it is much more meant to be the anti-capitalist satire that Josie gets caught up in versus the Josie and the Pussycats get, get caught up in versus versus a, a story about them as a band growing and going through the motions mm-hmm. like a like an almost famous or that thing you do um also a nice tight nice nice tight 100 minutes no yeah. no three hour no three hours I mean I I was so happy when when I saw the runtime and I was like oh thank god it's not three hours long um I also really loved that in the credits they had the they had the bloopers I, I feel like that's a that's such a that's such a thing that doesn't happen anymore. Like you used to get, you used to get like bloopers or or like outtakes in credits or on like a DVD, and then those don't exist anymore. So, um, that was fun. I think that's all. That's all the cover for this movie. Oh, I have some more things to say. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, there's a couple more things we have to uh, hit. I love the Eugene Levy cameo in here mm. where he was yes. on the the video for top executives and, where he just once said i'm eugene levy and basically gave away the the plot of of using the music for consumerism for teenagers i just love a good eugene levy and it made me laugh that he was talking about it being american when he's a canadian i that was yes. just something that i appreciated on my own level mm-hmm. this actually has a very monumental figure in my life and i'm wondering if you might be able to surmise the significance of one of the actresses that is in this film um okay so i'm gonna guess it's missy pyle yes it is i don't know why though i just know it's missy pyle (laughs) it's because she is the reason that i spell my name the way that i do Oh, I have sense. been a fan of Missy Pyle for a while. I I really loved her in the Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as Mrs. Beauregard. She was in The Artist, which I actually just recently re-saw on a plane. I was like, oh yes, Missy is in this. It's great. But no, my spelling of Missy with an I is because I was aware of Missy Pyle's spelling of it. And I was just thinking to myself like, oh, that's a really nice way for me to kind of to spell it that way, and when I was exploring my name, everyone just kept saying, oh, misinformation would be a great name, why don't you use that? And I kept trying to explain that it's such an it's more of an obvious take that if I put it in a search engine, misinformation might search up and find other things. Plus, I knew two properties that had a misinformation as a character, but Missy with yeah. an I is an easiest way to do it. So she is the namesake of uh, Missy. That's that's incredible. I was I I was not aware of that. I, I was I'm only... sitting on that. Yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, it's our first one. I get a chance to bring this up organically. Yeah, I I I, I I'm not as familiar. I'm not as familiar with Missy Pyle's work. I definitely did recognize her though, and I was ex- I was excited. Um, 
I really I really liked her character and it was one of these characters where they're they're brother and sister but you also it's like are they fucking they're probably fucking right <laughs> oh my god I, I <laughs> so I love all the choices that Missy makes in this she's incredibly funny and her character yeah. her character's role in it is just very funny too but I was weirdly attracted to the brother character who in, in oh, the yeah. movie may or may not be gay. He, uh, I don't know if this oh, is yeah, a little no, more messaging. Yeah, okay. He's gay. I don't know, he's gay. I didn't know this is a little, little more messaging wanted him to have Heath Ledger or not. But I was like, ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolute cutie pie again, to use that word. I There was a lot of I mean, Parker Posey is gorgeous. All the women Ugh. in the band are gorgeous. I mean, this is just a film full of very oncoming, just attractive people. So it was very fun to watch in that regard as well. Yeah, and 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 now you've seen a movie with seminal teen Rachel Lee Cook. So I, I'm very happy that this that this podcast could get, could let you could let you have that. Check. So yeah, I think that'll do it for for Josie and the Pussycats. What are we gonna watch next time? We are going to be watching something that <clears throat> we'll be watching something that both of us have not seen for the next film so we are going to go to our list and let's take a look what might we do alice what might we do okay what might we do so so we conferred and it looks like we are going to pick something from my list which is we are going to watch some episodes of the office indeed we are going to do what we do with sitcoms, watch some episodes from the first season and some episodes from the last season. I will be curating uh, the episodes from the earlier season to watch, and we're going to have to pick some of the ones at random from the last season because I never oh, got yeah. around to watching it. So yeah. it's going to be all new to me as well. It is going to be interesting, and, and I think it'll be interesting for you to see where it starts from and where it goes, especially right. because some of the, um, I don't know if all the first scripts, but I know at least the pilot was a almost uh line by line recreation of mm -hmm. the the british yes. pilot for the tv show yes. so yeah, i definitely it's... watched the british the first two episodes of the british version and the first episode of the american version and that's kind of when i bounced off um so i am curious i i, I also like i know a fair amount about the show because like i exist in culture and, and <laughs> right popular amongst people my age at the time but still I, is i mean yeah i, I i've just never I, I definitely had a problem with cringe comedy back then, and I think I still do, but I think I can stomach it now in a way that I just wasn't able to emotionally back then. Um, yeah, that's I'm really curious my, to check it out. That's where my drop-off came. I was struggling with some of the cringe comedy that came through in the seasons, especially when I just mm -hmm. felt like Michael Scott stopped being funny and just started being like a jerk and an asshole who at this yeah. point is like, why are you not aware of how you're hurting other people? Like, right. I don't understand why this is funny anymore, you know? Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but that won't happen until our next episode of not a hate watch. And Alice, what do we always say? Who's a rock star? You're supposed to say I am. I Who's am. I am. <laughs>